Can't wait for summer? Old Navy's huge summer sale starts now. All jeans, all tees, all dresses, and all shorts are on sale up to 50% off. Jeans start at $15 for adults, $10 for kids. Shorts from $12 for adults, $7 for kids. Buy online and pick up in-store for free today. All jeans, tees, dresses, and shorts are on sale up to 50% off. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 5-6 to 5-12. Excludes in-store clearance. Active license, men's packaged, and flag tees. Shut up and sit down. got my drink. I've got some holy wafers because it's been that kind of day and some milk and nothing absolutely healthy for me because fuck that shit. And there goes my whole goal right there because I had this like this small goal in my mind where I would not cuss this whole two hours and then I'd be able to rate this show like G. <laughs> totally ruined that in the first 30 seconds. Um, it was not a serious goal because really... Um, Come on now. I uh, have a lot to talk about. I probably won't take callers. I might. I don't know. If you have questions about Tangled Destinies, you can go to my blog or my website. And I have a uh, topic up for tonight's radio show, and you can click on that and make a comment, and I'll be watching those through the evening. We're going to start with... the original series. I was a huge fan of the original series. I um, didn't, I was actually really not interested at all in watching The Next Generation when they first announced it because I was such a huge Star Trek fan and I didn't want them messing with it. I didn't want them talking about it or ruining it or touching it because it was awesome just the way it was, right? And you just can't trust people. And so I uh, (coughs) wasn't too interested in it. But I was young. I was very young. Um, (laughs) uh, And I I didn't... um, So I gave it a shot, and it was... uh, it's perfectly okay. I really enjoy uh, The Next Generation. I enjoy Deep Space Nine. I hate Voyager. My husband calls it boy crap. I'm not particularly fond of Enterprise. I wanted to be. I wanted to be really excited about Enterprise. It just didn't quite work out that way. Um, I would love to see Star Trek come back to TV. But um, I don't know if there's anybody that we can actually trust to do it. Because really, there was there was a time, you know, when we we had a great run with Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. But you can kind of tell that Roddenberry, 
who was very ill and who died during this time period um, wasn't part, really, of what was taking place when it came to Voyager and especially Enterprise. Enterprise had so much potential. It could have been amazing. I mean, it it really could have been amazing. I don't have a problem with the casting in Enterprise. I have a problem with the writing in Enterprise. I especially have a problem with the... It was just cowardly. It was cowardly storytelling. And that's maybe my biggest problem with Enterprise because Star Trek in its heyday was huge. It made big statements. It it really spoke to pop culture and what was going on in the day. But Enterprise shot away from all of those amazing issues, you know, and it it was just it was lame. It was lame. It was it was cowardly writing and I didn't enjoy it. I I watched thirty minutes of Voyager, so I can't even tell you what I don't like about it. I just don't like it. My mom it's her favorite one. My mom is a huge Voyager fan fan and um that's just horrible. Um, out of all the series, I have to say that Deep Space Nine is my favorite. I uh, I love the characters on Deep Space Nine. I love storytelling on Deep Space Nine. It's brave. It's really bold, going where no man's gone before. Storytelling in um, in, in Deep Space Nine that we didn't get a lot of in Next Generation. What we got in Next Generation was. Um, not a rehash of the original series, but a continuation of that in some ways. The storytelling was very um, insular, and we didn't get the big plots. We didn't get, I mean, we had like, you know, we had a couple of multi-episodes, and you know, we had the Borg, but it wasn't big. It, it was very episode-related in, in that perspective, and that's one reason why um, it was, not as interesting to me as Deep Space Nine, and probably why one of my biggest uh, loves for sci-fi television is um, Babylon 5, because Babylon 5 has a huge story to tell. And maybe because of the way that um, Next Generation was constructed, it didn't have room for a big storyline. And that's perfectly fine. It was great TV. It was excellent um, storytelling for what it was. It, um, but it just it just wasn't what it could have been more. It could have been more. Deep Space Nine was more, but a lot of Star Trek fans don't like Deep Space Nine, and I don't understand why. Maybe because it doesn't take place on the ship and it's not the exploration. But what they do on Deep Space Nine is amazing. It's it's huge. The character arcs and the stories they tell, and it's it's just an awesome uh, collection of of talent and story and timing and it's just it's perfect really i mean it's a great show there's lots of room to to play with the characters on deep space nine um voyager my mom loves it i've never watched it one day i'm gonna sit down and watch it because it's on netflix just you know so i can say i just to give you a legitimate reason to why i don't like it <laughs> let's um but okay so <clears throat> If we go into the movies, I would have told you 
when I was much, much younger that my favorite movie was the motion picture. I changed my mind later on when, I guess about 10 years ago, it, it it really came to me that my favorite Star Trek movie has to be Undiscovered Country. Uh, I hate The Final Frontier. And, oh, my God. It was so stupid. It was so stupid. I like the motion picture. I think it, um, it for what it does, it, uh, it, it moved the series to the big screen. And for that reason alone, um, Star Trek fans should just appreciate it for what it is. Because it takes... <clears throat> It takes the TV series and these characters that we grew to love and it puts them um, on the big screen and it revitalized the Star Trek fandom. It um, revitalized the interest in Hollywood for Star Trek. It gave us so much. Star Trek's motion picture gave us so much. It gave us the Wrath of Khan. It gave us the search for Spock. It gave us the next generation because without that first movie and that push by fans and who were so excited to get it, we would have never gotten the rest. And for that reason alone, every Star Trek fan should love the motion picture, even if the story's kind of boring because it kind of is. Yeah. Um <laughs> It really is kind of boring. You know what would have been great? If Decker and the bald girl had gotten it on for us to watch, that would have made it less boring. I'm just saying, you know, even if it did drive me a little crazy, or a lot crazy, I don't know, it would have been better than what we got. So, I, as a young woman, I hated The Wrath of Khan. Oh, my God, they killed Spock. I was inconsolable. I cried throughout the entire thing. I actually refused to watch The Search for Spock because I didn't actually watch these movies And um, when they first came out. I was too young. Um, I rented them from the video store because I had watched the TV series on TV um, in, in syndication, obviously, and I went to the video store and I got the motion picture in the Rassicon and The Search for Spock. And I think the voyage home was actually in theaters at that time. So, well, intellectually, I knew that Larry Nimoy was in the voyage home. I was furious after the Rathacon and did not want to watch it. I was so upset. I It was just, oh, oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. I hated it. And then I watched the search for Spock, and it made me feel better. And um, as an adult, I have to say that next to Undiscovered Country, The Wrath of Khan is my favorite. Um, if I had to rank them, it would be that way. It would be Undiscovered Country, The Wrath of Khan, and they're probably the motion picture just for, like I said, just for being what it was. I hated The Final Frontier because that was just stupid. It was stupid. Um, William Shatner wrote The Final Frontier, and he directed it too. Um, it's it's a vanity project and it shows in in every single way. And Shatner has a ginormous ego. 
I really hope he has a dick to match. I don't know. We can hope. When it comes to Next Generation um, movies, I really enjoyed Generations. I enjoyed First Contact. Um, Insurrection was a big episode. What the fuck was that? And it was it was okay, but it was not. It was it was just a big episode, and it it wasn't the stuff of a movie. The storyline was maybe a season finale and a season opener or something. I don't know. It just it just wasn't big enough for the movie. Um, it was fine for what it was. My cu- my husband calls it in um, suction because <laughs> that's how much he hates it. I <clears throat> I um, Nemesis. I've watched Nemesis exactly once. I'll never watch it again. It was horrific. I came out of the theater after watching Nemesis, and the only thing I could think was, oh, my God, they killed Star Trek. They have literally killed Star Trek. I could not see Star Trek surviving that because it was so bad. Beyond the continuity errors, and there were tons. Of course, there was a pretty big one in Generations. But, okay, um, the, the continuity error in Generations is this. There was an episode of Next Generation where Geordi finds Gotti in a transporter. And he pops out of that transporter, and the first thing he says is, oh, Kirk must have pulled something out of the mothballs to rescue me. Not those exact lines, but you know what I mean. He referenced the fact that Captain Kirk must have come out of retirement to to save him. Um, here's the thing. In Generations, Gotti is on that ship when Kirk is lost and declared dead. It's so fucking infuriating. Either, well, Scotty, I think, probably should have, I don't know, he just shouldn't, it, it, Shatner's injection into Generations fucked up. It fucked up the continuity because it, there's no way to explain it because it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. Scotty was there when Kirk died in Generations, but Scotty comes out of the fucking transporter in the Next Generation episode assuming that Kirk is alive. Okay, that was really fucking annoying. Okay, that was that was really fucking annoying. Okay, so but I over, I I got past it right because Generations, other than that, was fairly decent movie. I mean, First Contact. I think First Contact was probably the best of the Next Generation movies. Um, Insurrection, like I said, was a big episode. Nemesis. They killed Data. They killed Data, and it, you know I understand why Brent wanted to to let go of the role because you know when when you play an android and you're getting older, that's kind of it's it's impossible. But what was really irritating was that they brushed off his sacrifice completely in the end by implying that Data was actually because he transferred all of his stuff to his brother. 
little Android they found, the data was in fact safe and in there, and they just had to bring him back out to get their data back. It made him seem um, like he was a broken doll. They were going to get repaired. It was. It, I found it grossly inappropriate. Um, but beyond that, Nemesis, uh, it, of course, it introduced us to Tom Hardy, which was always a good time because he's pretty. He's a very attractive man. But um, other than that, Nemesis just sucked. It just sucked so much. I really hated that movie. And I came out of it literally thinking they had ruined Star Trek, that they they had actually managed to do something that the Final Frontier didn't. They had killed Star Trek. And it was infuriating. But we skip forward and then we, you know, I don't know when Enterprise came out. Hold on. But uh, <clears throat> got the new movie. J.J. Abrams, who wanted to do Star Wars, ended up doing Star Trek. And, okay, that was fine. Um, Next Generation ended in 94. We had the four movies, and then in 2009, we got the reboot Star Trek. I don't actually have a problem with the new movies um, because I view them as completely and utterly alternate. So I don't think they are um, in any way, they in, I don't think they in any way impact um, the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voicraft, um, Enterprise. They don't because they're in a different universe. And it's, an, it's an alternate reality, and I accept it as that. I don't have a problem with it. And But what some people have a problem with is the way the the reboot um, kind of rehashed some of the stories. And, I, you know, my biggest problem with the reboot is that they blew up Vulcan. I, they blew up Vulcan, and that just, that really hurts my feelings. <laughs> but other than that, I don't have a problem with, with the first movie. And the second movie, I agree that the introduction of Khan was important to the um to the series because Khan is such a huge huge influence in the original series they um because Khan is responsible directly for the for the murder of Spock and so to ignore Khan would have been ridiculous what they did with Khan in the new movie, uh, Into Darkness, I, I'm, you know, I'm, okay, my husband hates the new movie. I don't hate it. We don't actually talk about it because the two times we did talk about it, we argued viciously because we're both huge Star Trek fans and he did not appreciate my point of view on Khan. I really enjoyed the performance of Benedict. He was a great Khan. It was really interesting. I <clears throat> I like the idea of them waking him up earlier because of the 
or them finding him in space and bringing him back, probably hunting that Botany Bay down to get him because of the threat that the Romulans um, did. Uh, one thing I would like, my husband has a problem with um, the casting because uh, Khan is supposed to be Indian, but the guy who originally played Khan wasn't Indian either. And just to be frank, he wasn't. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that Khan was genetically engineered. So his name and his I don't know. I don't think it matters what color he is, to be perfectly frank. I don't. My husband doesn't agree. Um, although, when I pointed out to him that the guy who originally played Khan was, in fact, Mexican, and that you could in no way possibly compare a Mexican to an Indian, um, it kind of took the wind out of his sails. Um, it... I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. I don't give a shit. That's just me. Because I thought Bendit did a great job, and uh, that was more important to me than them trying to find um, an actor who is sort of brown, right? Because, no, that's just, no. It doesn't matter to me at all. Um, but I'm a white girl from the South, and maybe that's why it doesn't matter to me. My husband isn't a white girl from the South. Um, and I'm perfectly aware of the fact, that Marcus, that he is Mexican, because me and my husband argued about it for like three freaking hours. Anyways. I had no problem with the casting of Benedict. My husband actually has a problem with the casting of Chris Pine. I don't. I'm going to tell you right now, I have no problems with Chris Pine because he is beautiful. Oh, he is beautiful. And the fact of the matter is is that William Shatner couldn't have acted his way out of a paper bag, so who gives a shit if Chris Pine can act or not? That was never a requirement to be Captain Kirk. Am I alone in this? Because I don't think so. I really don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> we do agree that Zachary is maybe Larry Nimoy's love child. I mean, nothing else makes sense, right? Because he couldn't. It's just amazing. It's amazing to see them side by side and to see that connection between them and they look I mean it's amazing it, it was an amazing transformation I, I think he did a great job and but you know so there's that I don't have a problem with either one of the new movies I like I said I, I, I do consider them alternate universes so I don't feel like they've corrupted the canon of, of the original I don't write in the original universe and I'm about to confess something that's probably going to upset a lot of Star Trek fans. I don't actually think William Shatner is attractive. I never really did. There's like a period of two or three years in the 60s 
when he was hot. But I was born in the 70s. So by the time I saw Shatner and all his glory in the motion picture, he wasn't doing a damn thing for me. He was not. He was not. And so I never actually read any Kirk Spock Flash. I, like I said, when I first wrote in Star Trek, it was about Wesley Crusher because I had a huge crush on Wesley Crusher. Um, so, but yeah, I didn't actually have any interest in Kirk and Spock until they cast Chris Pine as Kirk because, hello, <laughs> he was really, really pretty. So, there's that. I don't hate the new movies. A lot of people do. Um, I appreciate their opinion. I'm not particularly interested in hearing it. I hear it enough from my husband. He, because he really, really, really hates the second one. The first one he kind of tolerates. The, the second one he hates. But that's okay. Um, everybody's entitled to their opinions on that subject. It's... <clears throat> That's my reason is that Star Trek is such a huge fandom that you can kind of get lost if you're not paying attention in Shatner's ego and you overlook everybody else. So I thought it was great. And, you know, Shatner got all bound in shape because he wasn't in the new movie. Well, fuck that and fuck him. You know, he already ruined one good movie by insisting on inserting himself in and fucking up the continuity. But that's okay. That's okay. I think Carl, Carl Urban did an amazing job as Dr. McCoy in the new series. He was just amazing. It was amazing. It was like a. It was like he was paying honor to to, to Forrest Keller, Kelly in so many ways. It was just it was amazing. Um, somebody asked on my blog if I hate any characters in Star Trek. I actually don't. I don't like to read. Stories in the new in um, alternate universe where Khan's redeemable because he really isn't redeemable. He's a mass murderer. I just don't think he's redeemable. It's kind of like Voldemort's not redeemable. Loki isn't redeemable in the Avengers. Um, he really isn't. And and neither is Khan. Khan is a megalomaniac, and he is a sociopath, and he is not redeemable. So I don't like to see him redeemed in fic. It's, it really creeps me out. It's weird. Um, so there's that. I uh, <clears throat> Do I hate? I don't like... I hate how exaggerated and xenophobic it it just seems really horrible to me how thick Chekhov's accent is in the original series and I think they were actually almost making fun of it in the new movies it's just it's I don't know I just don't it doesn't it doesn't really I don't like it. I don't know. There's just something about it that bothers me. But I, I, I love the actor who played him. He's adorable. 
in both cases. They, they were both adorable. Although I hate that actor in, in Babylon 5. He did a great job of making you hate him in Babylon 5. Um, there's a lot of um, discussion in the fandom about the Bach pairing in the new movies. And it's not... The thing is, is that that's actually canon, or it would have been canon if Paramount had been brave. Um, Gene Roddenberry originally wanted Spock and Natoya to be together. Of course, that's not... She she was never given a first name in canon, by the way. Um, Her name was Fannin first. It got put into one of the Star Trek books like it was canon, but it really wasn't. And I don't think it was actually until this first new movie, the Star Trek in '09, that it was actually considered her name. Um, but originally, Gene Roddenberry wanted Spock and her together. And I'm saying, I have a really hard time saying her name, her last name, so I'm just not going to say it because my husband makes fun of me when I do, so fuck that. Anyways, Natoya and Spock were supposed to be together originally in canon Star Trek. They were supposed to share the interracial kiss, and they were supposed to go on to have a relationship. The studio balked because she was black and Nimoy was obviously white. Shatner pitched a fit because he's of the opinion that if anybody was going to kiss a black woman on TV for the first time, it should be him. And he got his way. So we didn't get that proposed romance in the original series. So I don't actually have a problem with Abrams doing that as a result. Um, it's easy for me to overlook and ignore because I can I can overlook and ignore canon like nobody's business. Um but I don't actually have a problem with it in the movie. Um, I think they have. I don't know if they have a lot of chemistry, and I'm not sure if that's <clears throat> because she knew that the actor was gay or or what. I don't know. There just didn't seem to be a lot of chemistry between them. But so, but it's just what it is. And um, but I don't have a problem with it. I don't. I. It's really easy for me to to ignore and to overlook without any problems at all. I, uh, so there's that. Other parts of canon that I don't like. I don't like Spock's creepy brother. You'll see that I I got rid of him in Tangled Destinies as quickly as I could and made him probably creepier than he actually was in canon. So I just don't like him. I think he's creepy. i I really do. I uh, I wasn't fond of Sarek until I started writing him. I, I I just didn't like him too much, but I got over that. I uh, there's a crapload of misogyny in the original series. Um, and it it comes out in some really horrific ways. And not just the woman of the week that Kirk is banging. Um, 
it's the lack of command roles for women. It's the way that all the female guest stars are basically there for Kirk to fuck. And they really, you know, and the way they basically, all the female aliens were practically as naked as they could be for that time period on TV and had costumes basically painted on their tits. Um, the uniforms, yes, the uniforms. They, um, it was just a whole bunch of things. And Sarek is a total fucker in the original series. And when we first meet him, we find out that because he dislikes Spock's choices, that basically he's not allowed Spock to have any contact with his own mother. And Amanda went along with this. So, you know, I hate that. It's really irritating. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is you can pick apart Star Trek and, and find parts you don't like and parts that you do like. But it was still a pioneer for its day. It, um, There was a black woman on TV every week on this show, and she was in a position of some power and that was huge for the day um we all heard the story about how martin luther king asked um michelle nichols to stay um on the show when she wanted to leave um but there's a couple other things about that she wasn't actually a series regular she got paid differently than the rest of them but because she wasn't a series regular, she actually got paid more than some of them because of the way she because of the way she was paid. Um, but she was never considered a series regular for that purpose. Um, so we don't see Sarek too much in the original series. We see him a little bit in the movies. We see him much more, I think, in Next Generation. Um, and you see a change in Sarek as that goes along. Um, he's buried his wife, his second wife, apparently, because there was a woman before um, Amanda. Um, I'm not sure if in canon he married her or not or, or what that was or anyway. Um, so he's got a new wife, and she's also human, and there's... So Sarek is a little bit different. He's been tempered by grief and, and loss, and um, he's gone through what he assumed to be the murder of his own son, his, and then the loss of his his older son. Um, so I'm pretty sure Cybok didn't make it back on that uh, final frontier. So when you see Sarek in Next Generation, he's he's gone through a lot of changes and a lot of grief, and he's lost a lot of people. And it changed him, made him a little bit different. Interesting, he's more interesting um, in Next Generation than he is in the original series or even in the movies. He's got a lot more depth. Uh, his grief over the loss of Amanda is, in that one episode, is amazing um, to, to watch. But... <clears throat> So there's that. But I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily hate 
any of the characters in Star Trek. I've they each serve a role, they each serve a purpose, and for that, you know, you can when a character has a genuine purpose in, in a show, um, it's hard to hate them for existing. You know, it's just, if that makes any sense or whatever. But uh, <clears throat> there's that. I had a couple of questions about. On the question front, I've had I've been wondering what kind of role Natoya or Galia are going to have, if any, in Tangled Destinies. Uh, what I would say about about those two characters when they meet Kirk and Spock in Tangled Destinies, Kirk and Spock. Um, Kirk and Spock are coming into the academy. They've um, been in college. They're early 20s. I'm going to say 20, 21 at this point. Uh, I haven't really decided on the firm age range. And um, they've, they're coming into the academy as, offer can, as officer candidates because they do have degrees. And I'm just going to pattern that a little bit after... Um, the military that we currently have. I think that in order to be an officer candidate versus enlisted, that you do that you should have a degree. So they're going into um, the academy with a degree and whatever's. I haven't decided whatever's. You know, whatever they they want to do. Um, and um, they've been married for for quite a few years. They are not the Kirk and Spock that you see um, in the new movies. And it's it's different because. They are committed to each other. They are a lot more mature than some of the other people that are going to be in the academy because they do have that bond that's been tempering them since they were 16 years old. They're not... Uh, it's, just, it's just going to be very different. I plan to start the arc, actually, with... Um, Part two will be with them in college, probably. There's going to be the bonding ceremony on, on Beta Z, uh, which I'm going to definitely do in Art two. And then um, I'll have stupid thing. I'll have uh, there'll be some issues there because you have to have ex- external conflict to to push the plot. So, so there'll be things here and there and there'll be politics involved and they are not going to um they're not gonna come into the academy unprepared, so to speak, because they'll they'll have each other, they'll they'll have had that support for a very long time. Um they'll have their parents in the background. And they're just going to be very different than what you see in the movie. It may be closer in some ways to TOS because they're they're very confident in, in their abilities at this point and very confident in their relationship. And there will be some issues over that relationship at the Academy. But it won't be, you know, I don't know. I don't know really how I'll approach that. But I have some plotting to do left on that before I start, which is why I haven't started 
I uh, <coughs> sorry. So okay. Inkwave wants to know how they'll be when they air Starfleet. I've already answered that. They have any of their academic achievements play a large role. I think that because they're coming into the academy having already achieved quite a bit academically, that they will be um, treated a little bit differently than cadets coming in with who are enlisting. So, But I don't know what that's going to be yet, quite yet. <clears throat> Scherzo wants to know, I guess the biggest one is what made you decide to have Jim be part Betazoid, and right after that, why Deanna Troy's line? Okay. I, Kirk being Betazoid is my headcanon, and it was established by somebody else. I, I talked about this before. I read a story, and it was Kirk Spock, and it was probably on the Kirk Spock archive. And I don't know what it was called. I don't know who the author is. But at the very end, Spock shows up at the t Kirk farm, and he meets Tiberius Kirk and Tiberius Kirk is Betazoid. And Spock had an epiphany, and so did I. Because I thought, oh, that's my headcanon. And it's been my headcanon ever since, and I couldn't even tell you what the story's name is, but that's my headcanon. And that's why Kirk is Betazoid in Tangled Destinies, as to why I made his grandmother the Betazoid versus Tiberius. It's actually really simple. If... Tiberius Kirk had been on Earth, there's no way in hell Jim would have had the childhood he had. So I sort of knew going into it that Tiberius Kirk was going to have to have, have already passed away. And then that made... And I, but I wanted that connection with Betazoid. And we already knew that the farm in Iowa was Tiberius Kirk's. So because of that, it had to be done a certain way, and so that meant that I had to come up with an original character to make um, Kirk Betazoid. And so I picked, and so as to why I picked the Troy line, um, it was interesting. I like the idea of connecting the next generation Betazoids that we saw with Kirk, even if it was a little, you know, a little offshoot there, because it was it was interesting and and always when you connect this, you can you can bring other things into it, and that's it, it's just a plot device. It, it, that's what it boils down to. It's just a plot device because I wanted to um, create a history um, in the future for Kirk's line in a way that was interesting, but also in the way that it connected it to Next Generation. And that's also why you see Archer in Tangled Destinies, because I wanted to connect Enterprise situation they're currently in. And, and we, knew, um, we knew that Archer was alive um, in those movies, because he's the reason that Scotty was on that barren ice planet, because he lost Archer's dog which I saved. I saved the dog because I love dogs and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't let the dog disappear into a, I don't know where he went, 
I couldn't, I, I couldn't let that happen. I also used to Paul to further connect Tangled Destinies to the bigger universe of uh, of Star Trek. I <clears throat> it was just it's just the way I wanted to do it. So that's why, and um, it just ended up being a plot device, really, and a plot device and a mixture of headcanon. And uh, you know what? I'm gonna take a little bit of break. Just just give me a minute here. Um, I'm gonna take a little break. I'll be back in a few minutes. Can you guys hear me? Oh, I should have put my mic on pause when I put that little music on so I could do my inhaler. Okay. Um, I learn something new every day. I, uh, <laughs> um, God, my chest got really tight like somebody was going to, like somebody was sitting on me. I don't normally have those kinds of problems these days. I mean, I have an inhaler, but, um, I don't use it as often as I used to. So, but anyways, so I, uh, crap. I want to talk about Abrams a little bit and um, his injection into our fandom and and what that did. It it gave us two movies. It it revitalized the fandom in a lot of ways. It brought a lot of fan fiction writers into the fandom. I think that the rehash of the original movies was done more to create new fans than it was to satisfy old fans, being what that is. And um, using my inhaler made me a little dizzy, and it made me a little high, because I don't use it as often as I used to. So there we go. And it really opened up the fandom. I am sitting down, thank you. Uh, it really opened the fandom up for writers because it created uh, a lot of people have a problem dismissing canon when, when they're writing fan fiction. So giving them new canon to play with brought writers into the fandom, which is always great. It uh, it renewed interest in the fandom, and especially in the Kirk Spock pairing, and that's awesome because Pine and um, Quinto have amazing chemistry both on screen and off. 
Um, their bromance is really funny. I uh, <clears throat> I didn't actually read a lot of Star Trek um, fan fiction. I read some Deep Space Nine a couple of years ago before the new movie came out, but I didn't read Kirk Spock. Like I said, I don't find Shatner attractive, and it was really hard to... It's really hard to read porn about somebody you don't find attractive. Let's just put that out there, because it is. It's, it's difficult. And um, just wasn't doing it for me, but I have to say that um, I have no problems with it now, because, <laughs> hello, <laughs> Pine is so pretty. He really is. He's just... My mom and I went and saw um, his new movie, uh Jack Ryan, the, the new Jack Ryan movie, and um, uh, my mom in the middle of the theater. Like, there's this part where Chris Pine, he turns and looks at the camera, and I don't know, I don't know, I can't even tell you what the scene was, but she went, "Oh, he is pretty, really loud." And the only time she's ever done this once before is when we were watching um, the Avengers, and uh, Stark comes onto the screen. And she's, oh, that's a really good-looking man. And she said it really loud that time, too. So, um, yeah, because he is, he is. But Chris Pine's beautiful. And it's really um, easy to to read porn about Chris Pine. And it's really easy to write porn about Chris Pine um, because he's beautiful. And that makes me shallow, and I have no excuse, and I'm not going to apologize about it either. I'm, like, I'm just not... Um, It's just, I'm not going to apologize. So <clears throat> that's when uh, I started writing for uh, Star Trek is with the new movies. That's when I started reading Star Trek. I, uh, <clears throat> but I do consider them my first fandom because of my Wesley Crusher thing. You know, I don't regret that either. It's horrible. I'll never show it to you, but I don't regret it at all. It really is absolutely horrible. Um, so... There's that. I have actually I have a lot of ideas and plans for Tangled Destinies, and that's why it's back in replotting because I had all these plotting choices, and then the new movie came out in darkness, and then I had Khan. I had to decide whether or not I'm going to ignore Khan or not, and how that's going to work, and what that's going to be, and when that's going to take place in my canon. Of the well, the canon of Tangled Destinies because uh, it's going to be a little different because it just is. It's going to be different, and um, I don't want to uh, throw Kirk into the captain's seat directly out of the academy either. I don't. That's one thing about the movies that I don't really appreciate. They um, kind of okay. The thing is, is that Kirk in the original series worked hard. For all of my, his problems and womanizing, he he worked hard and he earned his seat. And he earned his seat as the youngest captain in Starfleet, and he earned it. Um, in the new movies, Kirk doesn't earn it, and it's insulting. And it, I don't like it, so that's not going to happen in Tangled Destiny. So I don't believe that's the appropriate way to... Um, to handle that. And I know why they did it, but it was just inappropriate. I don't... Sometimes movies don't tell good stories. That, that, that's what it boils down to. They are um, transitory entertainment who don't 
makes the grade a lot of times. I There were no daddy issues in TOS. Someone just mentioned this in the chat room. And that's because George Kurt didn't die the way he did in um, the original series. Uh, James Kurt grew up with his father, so he didn't have those inherent... He didn't have that anger. And that is one interesting thing about the portrayal of Kirk in the new movies is that he has a lot of passion and a lot of anger that has nothing to do with his dick. Now, granted, he does like to use his dick, and that's pretty obvious, but it isn't his driving force. Um, I'm pretty sure in the original series that Kirk's dick was more in charge than he ever was. Yeah. it So... There's that. <laughs> the USS libido, as someone pointed out in the chat room. It, you know, so there's, you know, you have to uh, pick and choose the parts of canon that you like, and then, you know, ignore the parts of canon that you don't, because the fact of the matter is, is that. Um, Kirk was a flaming heterosexual in the original. There was never, no. Writing Slash in the original series takes a lot of imagination. A lot. Now, granted, I think that him and Spock have a very intimate and very... Um, profound friendship, but um, they're not actually fucking I would not be surprised to find out that Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto were actually getting it on <laughs> I don't write real person fiction and I never will but they have so much chemistry it makes me doubt their straightness in real life because they, they have so much on screen chemistry um, but I don't, I don't see that sexual chemistry in the original series between Kirk and Spock, and that's just me. And it could be because I find him so unattractive, Kirk. I mean, because Leonard Nimoy, he was a pretty motherfucker in his day. He really was. Um, and he got handsome as he got older, and he's still handsome. Shatner, no. Just no. Although it's really kind of hard to find Nimoy attractive after you've been on YouTube and you've seen the Bilbo Baggins video, and if you haven't, if you haven't seen it and you don't want it ruined for you, don't go watch it. But if you don't care, um, go over to YouTube and put in um, Nimoy sings Bilbo Baggins. It it makes it impossible to find him sexually attractive. <laughs> It really does. He's such a dork. <laughs> Anyways, <coughs> I'm sorry. I uh, think I'm about to use my inhaler again in a second here. But um, it's just son of a bitch. I dropped something. Anyways, <coughs> like these little flashes into my life. I'm sitting here in my office, just destroying shit, throwing things around. Um. I managed to take almost an entire hour, almost, about Star Trek, 
which was my totally my topic and and Cinna Minion has joined the chat room. I'm gonna have to use my inhaler again, so you're gonna have to give me a minute here. I'm gonna use it. I'm just gonna I won't expose you to any more music. I'll just I'll just do it this way. So just, just give me a second. What if I I might encounter something I was allergic to earlier today and sometimes it happens. Um <clears throat> I had to uh when I first moved in with my husband, I had to throw away half his bath products because they made me sick. And some of them just didn't smell like I wanted him to smell, you know, because, you know. Anyways, <clears throat> so those are my opinions on Star Trek. Does anybody want to call in and ask me any questions? I, uh... <clears throat> Senna's threatening me. She's going to call. She's going to eat, and then she's going to call. I, uh, one of the things I always really enjoyed about Star Trek when it was on TV was, was the fantasy element and this idea that in the future we would be better, that we would be better people, um, that we would um, overcome all of the obstacles that are currently in front of us, and we would be better. We would be better society. We would take care of our, our sick and our poor, and we would live lives dedicated to exploration and art and, and beauty. And it, So it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to see that and to think that way and to believe that the humanity could go down that road. Um, but then on the other side of it, it's one reason why I had a real problem with the Mirrorverse episodes. I never watched them in any of the series. Um, they they make me uncomfortable because they're so mean. <laughs> it probably sounds pretty funny coming from me, but I just don't like to see it. I don't like to see because Star Trek is supposed to be all amazing and beautiful and justice and the mirror universes are not and it's just really uncomfortable and as a re- as a result I don't actually watch those movies I watch those my favorite episode my favorite episode of um the original series is The Trouble with Tribbles I'm not alone in that that's pretty much everybody's favorite I uh I love that episode. I actually have a triple. It makes noises when you hold it. It makes more noises when you squeeze it. Um, I really enjoyed the episode of Deep Space Nine where um, Dax and uh, Cisco end up on the Enterprise during the triple incident. <laughs> it was great. I love it. I especially love how they snuck... Uh, Cisco in at the end, and Kirk made eyes at him because originally it was a woman. <laughs> it was amazing. I loved it. It was great. I I love that the Klingons um, and the 
Tribbles had a war. That's, that's just great. <laughs> it's great. I've got somebody on the phone. I don't know who that is. I'm going to ask them. You're on the air with Kara. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, not too bad. I have nothing to say, but I just wanted you to know that you're awesome. You're just one of those people that I would probably sit and have a cup of coffee with and talk about geek stuff for hours. Oh, oh, actually, I do Thank have something you. to say. What are your thoughts okay. on the whole idea? Because you said you like Deep Space Nine. God, I wish I enjoyed that show as a kid when it was on the air. Okay, so I wasn't a kid mm-hmm. kid. But when I was on the air, as I do now, and it's not on the air anymore, what are your thoughts on the idea mm-hmm. Judzia Dax dies and then comes back? At, what's her name? Ezra? Ezri something? Ezri. Something like that. Mm. What are you, like, can okay, you imagine actually, how that would be, knowing everybody and then them not knowing not, you? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, right? I, um... <clears throat> I actually found that really uncomfortable. I especially found it uncomfortable when she attempted to renew her relationship with Worf. Oh, that was creepy. It was, it was, it's kind of heartbreaking, wasn't it? I mean, because Worf had lost so much, and he finally, you know, finds love again, and it's, it's beautiful, and, um, they and then the actress leaves the show and they do this and I actually there's a book written by Peter David called um, Imazadi and there's actually a part two and the part two I remember those okay yes it's about Worf and um, Deanna um, and his son and uh, the other Riker like the Riker part do <laughs> you oh, know, they had was the that the dude that was like in the force the the um, caught in the transporter accident yes 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 and he actually joins the marquee or the marquee in um in deep space nine uh and it's interesting um it's an interesting book i highly recommend it uh and it speaks to um Worf's heartbreak over finding and, and losing the love of his life, which was Jezia. I don't appreciate the way they wrote that and they inserted Esri. I think if um, I really believe that they wanted to bring Dax back to the station, it should have been as a man. I had no problem with that actress. I think she's great. I think she did great with, with what she had. But I think that it would have been more interesting and better storytelling if Dax had come back to the station as a man. I That would put That's a whole me. other layer of interesting onto it. And what the Because she was too. a man in the previous <laughs> one because she was friends with Cisco. Right, yes. Yeah. So Dax has been men before. And I think that it would have um, taken some of the weight off them explaining why she wasn't going to have a relationship with Worf. Because if she comes back as a man, if Dax comes back as a man, there's no, you know, there's no need to explain why she's no longer his wife. Because she's not. I don't. Because she's not a she. <laughs> you know, because they did know. go into great depth as to why. I don't think you needed to explain that, did you? I mean, it wasn't his did. wife. 
It was like his sister, right, but like his wife's sister or something. You don't right, fuck your wife's weird. sister after your wife dies. It incestuous. I don't know what that was. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Because they did have to explain it. So they, I don't know why they insisted they did, but they did, and um, it was really creepy, actually. The that the whole thing about Worf trying to claim Ezri, um, and I I don't know if I appreciated. You know what? What though? <laughs> it would have been even more awesome if Dax still had the relationship with the Doctor as a man, but they're not brave enough for that shit. Oh, dude, Bashir no. was so pretty. He was. And wouldn't it have been great if they'd have picked some awesomely good-looking man to play Dax? And then oh. him still have a relationship with Bashir? Yeah. I wish I could write. I'd write that. <laughs> I could write that. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would totally, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, so that's the only part, um, I would say, of Deep Space Nine that um, – was a was hinky for me, and even then, it's easy to overlook because of the storyline. I wish we'd have gotten a movie. They should have done that as a movie instead of some of the later Next Generation ones. Yeah, Nemesis could have been totally skipped. Insurrection could have been skipped. We could have had a Deep Space Nine movie because you know when we left Deep Space Nine, Cisco was stuck in the wormhole. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's. He's hanging out with the wormhole aliens. His wife's on the station, pregnant as fuck. Bashir is there. Ezri is there. The chief is leaving. It's so sad. They had this huge, awesome bromance. I liked and Chief O'Brien. Me too. I really did. I was, um, when I realized they were going to be him to Space Nine, it was awesome. <laughs> really thrilled with that and then they brought over Worf and that was great too I, I really appreciated that so but yeah yeah we we could have done with the movie my husband has the books I'm not particularly interested in reading the books because I try I kind of view I've read some Star Trek books I and mean, some, some of them you can't really avoid if you're a Star Trek fan like Metamorphosis um, is pretty hard to ignore that's a next generation book um, and I think I remember data. reading that but I can't remember the plot anymore Data becomes human. The alien makes Data human. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and um, Spock's World. I'm not sure you can actually call yourself a Star Trek fan if you haven't read Spock's World. That's kind of, you know, there there are certain books that you you, you read when you're in a fandom, and I would put those two at the top of the list. Um, And there's another one in my Oh, I'm ashamed to say I haven't read it. I haven't ever watched you need to go get it. the original. Really? I think you actually, I think everybody should read Spock's World because it's, um, it speaks more to the other characters than it does Spock himself. Um, you learn a lot about um, Vulcan culture. You learn a lot about their history. Um, McCoy is a star in... Um, in Spock's world, and he really, he really owns the scenes that he's in, and it's just a really, it's an awesome read. Um, I, which is written by Peter David, I recommend that one as well because it, um, it really um, brings the romance of Riker and Troy together in a way, in such a way that when you see them get married in um, Nemesis, 
that it's easily the best and only thing you need to watch out of that whole movie. <laughs> you can just cut the movie off after that. I'm done. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> because no, you don't need anything else out of that movie because the rest of it sucked. <clears throat> but, yeah. So. Well, yeah, ma'am, I, I should let you go for the evening. But thank <laughs> you for chit-chatting with me. Thank you for calling. <laughs> thank you. Have a good night. Take care. You too. It's my cinnamon. This is on Stumpfalling. How can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> I had a minor accident and had to use my inhaler. I had to use mine today, too. And then I punched somebody on the strip while I was taking someone's fingertips <coughs> today. You punched somebody? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. And you ended up in jail. Good job. I didn't. I, I actually had a valid reason to do it. Um, so we were walking down the strip. I live in Las Vegas, for those of you that can't tell. Don't worry. You can't stalk me because we're PCSing. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so we were walking down the strip and there's people that are always handing you out these cards for like clubs and the cards that have the naked chicks on them. And sometimes people Mm -hmm. go down there and they'll pass out CDs, but they expect you to pay them for the CDs. This guy tried to hand me one and I said, no, thank you. And so he touched my shoulder. Anytime someone I don't know touches me, my instant response is to cause them physical harm. Which is what happened. I just straight out punched him. And there's a cop that was standing like right in front of the one of the casinos that we were walking by. And the guy called him over. And he goes, I don't know what you want me to do about it because you touched her. And she obviously didn't appreciate it. So if you'd like to go to jail, we can file a report. But I'm not charging her with anything. <laughs> so that was how I punched him. Like on on yeah, exactly. He he laid hands on me first. <coughs> It helps that when the guy took my ID, it's a a military dependent ID, and he was just kind of like, yeah, I'm not fucking with us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay. Yeah, there are just some things you don't want to fuck with, and you just want to talk about what happens. Well, because they would have had to call security forces, too, and that's Mm -hmm. never fun for them. So, it's, yeah. It just wouldn't have been a pleasant situation. (laughs) So. There are good cops out there in Glaive. So I missed, like, most good of the Good cops are maybe lazy cop. He didn't want to do paperwork. <laughs> too. I don't care. It worked in my favor. <coughs> like, I can't wait till my husband gets home in the morning so that I can let him know about that. Just in case? <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's probably just going to laugh about it. He's going to be like, yeah, okay. Because the cop didn't even take any of my information. He checked my ID, handed it back to me, and told the guy, yeah, okay, we're done. Uh, Apparently, they really want to know who the masked caller was. Inquiring minions want to know. I don't know. I didn't get their name. So whoever you are that just called in, if you could type in chat and tell them before they have a panic attack, that would be awesome. (laughs) I see minions the world over pulling their hair out. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's what caused me to have to use my inhaler today, too. 
It sucks, man. It's it does. It's like an old tire. It's Do you have any opinions about Star Trek? Um, I've seen like 10 episodes of the original series, and none of them were in chronological order. <laughs> Now, if you want to talk about the reboot, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I can totally see why Kirk would be a man whore. He's hot. I mean, seriously. Alien women throw themselves at him. I'm pretty sure alien men throw themselves at him. You know, when like, that new one came out in um, Into Darkness, there was actually a protest because of the interspecies sex he apparently had. Oh, my. Two girls with the tail. Oh. Yeah. Which church that's organized... The only way that actually could have been better if it had been a man and a woman with a tail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> this, is, this is my thing, okay? He gets caught fucking that chick, who is very clearly green, in Uhura's room in the first one. So what was wrong with Into Darkness? Really? Like, ugh. The tails. I guess. Maybe the tails made it seem like more like bestiality. I don't know. People are so fucking. Maybe that guy complained about that too, and we just didn't hear about it. Maybe I could see that. I yeah. Boost his signal a little bit for the second one. (laughs) Get his message out there. It's not okay to fuck aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, actually, you know what? We have okay at the at the university that I went to. Um. They have people that actually come in and harass the students during the summer. We call them uh, crazy what? Bible guys. Just religious people coming in. Uh, they'll stand in the courtyard where everybody has to walk through to get to class. And um, they'll, they'll, like, yell how everybody's going to hell. Like, they, they scream all this stupid shit at us. And they, like... They have to be in this little sectioned off area, and it's not for their safety. It's for the students because one year they had a guy that um, actually broke a student's hand because he was that crazy. Wow. Yeah, because he got pissed off. Because, well, because the the kid that he was arguing with and broke his hand, um, the kid was actually in in school at the university that I uh, went to for. Um, um, I don't, religious studies or something like that? I don't know. It, it was something about mm-hmm. theology. So he knew what he was arguing about. Like, he he was, you know, having, he was trying to have a discourse with the guy, and it just wasn't working. So the guy got pissed off because the kid was correcting him and broke the kid's hand. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that people like that, they don't actually read the Bible. Yeah, they they don't. They, they see what the main shit that's on the media spews and they think that that's actually what's in the Bible and it's not. Or they have somebody else read the Bible for them. You know, they get their Bible history from their preacher and they don't actually open their own Bible. They don't read the parts they're instructed to read. Yeah, if you actually read the Bible, there isn't anything in there that says that homosexuality is wrong. Like, there is actually... Or that abortion is wrong. Yeah, there's actually there's, instructions on how to do an abortion in the Bible. <clears throat> and everybody everybody that I've ever talked to that I say that to, they're like, well, but God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for it. No, God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because when the angels got sent down to Sodom and Gomorrah, the people in the cities tried to rape and murder them. That's why those cities were destroyed, not because of rampant homosexuality. 
But you know, people use the Bible like a cudgel. <laughs> it's 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 a weapon, and um, that's my biggest problem with religion. And but it's because people use it like a weapon. You can be religious as you want to be, but don't use your your faith to abuse, degrade, and murder other people, and uh, and assume it's justified because it's yeah. not. It's, it's not no. ever going to be. One reason why I always appreciated Star Trek up until that horrible movie, um, The Final Frontier, was that they kept God out of it. There was yeah. no, I mean, religion just wasn't part of it. And then, of course, you know, they had that whole movie where Shatner had to write his own fan fiction, and <laughs> we had to endure them finding God at the center of the universe. <clears throat> Hart's entire family is awesome. I just want everybody to know that. She's had a madam in her family, and apparently her great-grandma broke somebody's nose with their Bible because they were trying to rob her. So well, don't ever piss Hart Azor's off. Azor's family is, is kind of crazy. They're colorful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are a very colorful people, but that's what makes them so fun. <laughs> what I would say about the Bible, and especially... Leviticus, which has come up in the chat room, is that um, it's Old Testament, and <clears throat> Christians try to use the teachings of Christ to uh, degrade people who are homosexual, and Jesus never brought it up. Of course, you know, Jesus didn't actually write the New Testament, and God forbid you tell some evangelical that, because they'll lose their mind. Oh, I know. That Jesus... Cause I told... Uh, I told a Pentecostal woman once that Jesus was Jewish, and she told me I was going to hell, and she could not have been more serious if she'd tried. But he was Jewish. I'm like, are you for real? Ugh. And she was like, Jesus wasn't Jewish? And I'm like, you need to go home and read your Bible. Holy shit. Like, seriously? I... Seriously, seriously, and believe that he founded Christianity and was a Christian himself. It says that the Christianity wasn't formed until about a couple hundred, maybe 150, 200 years after his death as a religion, officially. That formed Christianity? Was it? It was done through committee, where they picked out the books they liked the best and put it together and made it the New Testament. Yeah, but I thought Constantine started it uh, during. No, I'm, I'm the not going there saying, she said, it's been, it's been a while for me too, um, Jewish by birth, if not by faith. No, that's not true. Jew, uh, Jesus no, was a Jew. No, he was Jewish by faith as well. By birth, by faith, he served, he was a Jew. That's Period. why he put the, that's, if, you, if you read the part where they're talking about uh, the plagues in the Bible, that's why he put the blood of the lamb over the doorway, because he was Jewish. So, you know, it's, um... He was Hebrew by nationality. Yeah, she told me I was going to hell. But it wasn't the first time I was taught I was going to hell, or even the last time I was taught I was going to hell. Um, Last week, I had some uh, religious people come to my door. Um, She brought her kids, which made it impossible to tell me, you know, for me to cuss her out for being on my doorstep and waking me up in the middle of the day when I was asleep. Um... I had to endure those two little boys singing Jesus Loves Me. 
Oh, Lord. They were adorable, so I gave them $5, and they gave me a little book, and my husband comes home, and he said, Honey, what is this? And I'm like, this is what happened. <laughs> you see what He said, that's not how you started. I said, okay, what had happened was <laughs> <laughs> I was asleep, and this lady rang the doorbell like 20 times, and so I get down there, and these two little kids, like five and six years old, on the porch, and I don't know why they weren't in school, and maybe they were homeschooled. I don't know. Anyways, they asked me if they could talk to me about Jesus and wanted to sing me a song. Oh, Lord. And what are you going to do? Tell a little kid So I no. left them, and then I gave them $5 basically to go away, and they gave me a book. So I handed my book, my husband's book about Jesus, and he said, I appreciate your... Uh, your constraint for not cussing those kids out. I'm like, I have never cussed a little kid out. It's not their fault they've been indoctrinated with propaganda. And it isn't their fault. <laughs> no, it really isn't. And um, I have, you know, my niece, my, my nieces and nephews um, have their own issues. Um, I have a nephew who goes to church <laughs> religiously. <laughs> but, um, and he's the oldest, and my my middle one, the Padawan, um, he's an atheist. And I don't know if that's a response to me or if that's actually his genuine belief at this point because he's 13. And, yeah. Um, I don't I don't speak to him about religion, but he knows my stance on it. Um, yeah. Stuff like that, so. Well, but... I, mean, I have another caller. That's so strange on your part because I know some people that are atheists that will kids they they have kids in their family that they're like no God doesn't exist and they like they try to indoctrinate them into being atheists too and I think that's wrong. I think you should let somebody find their own way to that choice. That's a personal thing. No, I agree. And it's even if even if they are related to you, that's still. You should have enough respect for them to let them make their own choices. That's what my parents did with us when we were growing up. My my um, my mom's side of the family are Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, my dad was raised wow. as a Roman Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> it gets better. Uh, my dad was raised as a Roman Catholic. Um, and then my sister and I went to a Pentecostal church because my uncle made us a couple of times. Uh, he told my mom that he was taking us out for lunch and made us go to church with him. Which, by the way, is a big part of what what turned me off to religion because those people were fucking scary. Fucking yeah, Pentecostals. I don't mean to insult any Pentecostal who's currently listening, um, but my most fearsome experiences have been at Pentecostal churches. Um, I went to a snake handling church once. It was Pentecostal. Um, yeah. My aunt, Holy Roller, is Pentecostal, and her church scares the shit out of me, and it has since I was a little kid. Um, the first time I saw somebody speaking in tongues, I nearly stroked out. I freaked. I freaked yeah. out so much. Yeah. That's how my they had, uncle. They had to put me outside in the car. Yeah, I was. I was. My sister was uh, six, which means I was twelve, almost thirteen. And literally, the, the first time that we had to go with him, um, I, I, it was totally trial by fire. We walked in. They were already talking in tongues, and they had this big, huge box in the front of the church. I am terrified of snakes. <laughs> I am fucking terrified of them. They pulled one out of that box 
and I had an asthma attack and had to leave because it scared me so fucking bad. When my mom found Snakes out... Snakes don't scare me, but... She beat his ass. My mom is five foot and a quarter inch. Her brother is the the asshole that took us to this church. Um, he is, let's see, I think he's like six eight, and she had him on the ground crying. Yeah. You don't fuck like a tree. That's what my, my mama always said. She said, you don't be tall, but I can climb you like a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bring you down to my it, size. It wasn't, <laughs> it, it wasn't even so much that he took us to his church. It was just, it scared me so bad that I had an asthma attack, and my mom had to go meet me in the ER. Like, that Craziness. was what. So don't force religion on the kids. No, I freaked out. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I did. It was just awful. Like, what, especially being that young. Like, my, my sister still remembers it. She, she was six at the time. And she'll still, she'll call me and ask me if I'm okay. Because it scared her that badly. She'd never seen me have an asthma attack before. Like, I'd have, like, little tiny episodes here and there. But that scared the fuck out of her. Well, it is pretty scary when you, um, it's scary on both ends. Because my first one was, um... So bad, it gave me a grand mal seizure. Oh, Jesus. My very first asthma attack gave me a grand mal seizure. And I woke up in the emergency room. Um, my teacher had to do CPR on me. Oh, my gosh. I woke up with a cracked sternum and several cracked ribs. Oh. Um, and I was told I'd had a seizure. I've only ever had that one. Um, and I had an asthma attack, and um, I was 19. So I have adult onset asthma, and apparently that shit can kill you. Yes. So. Yes, it can. But um, as, I, actually, as I've gotten older, it's gotten less severe. That's good, though. But I think it's also because as I've gotten older, they've outlawed smoking in public places. Yeah. That will help. And smoking is one of my biggest triggers. Yeah. Um. Well, when we were walking down the strip today, I think that's part of the reason that I had to use my inhaler is because we walked through a couple of the casinos. And as long as it's not in a restaurant, you can smoke on the casino floors in Vegas. But if they serve food anywhere, then that you can't sucks. smoke. Yeah, it really does. It's why I don't I don't go down to I don't go down to the strip anyway because I hate the fucking crowds. But I don't like going on the casino floor if I can avoid it because I haven't smoked since Mom sent me my electronic cigarette. Like I haven't smoked a real cigarette since then. I've just been using that. So, well, that's good. <clears throat> I feel better, and my clothes don't stink. I know, right? I hate the oh. smell of cigarette smoke. This that staleness. Oh, yeah. And you know, the thing is, I didn't realize just how much it clings to you until I stopped smoking. And now, like, nothing in the house smells like that. And so, if I'm out somewhere, I will notice it that much more. Like, and I am. Also, while I have no personal experience with the taste of your mouth, you probably taste like an ashtray. It, yeah. <laughs> well, my, hus- my husband... So that's an improvement, too. Out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. No teeth staining, nothing like that. How did we get on the subject of this from Star Trek? <laughs> I have no idea. I have another caller, so I'm going to let you go. Thank you for calling. Okay, no problem. It was fun talking to you again. Ow, ah. shit. Bye.
Hello. I'm here with Kara. Hello. Hello. My partner in crime. This is Lady Holder. Yes. Right? Yes, I am. I thought yes, so. Yes, I am. I thought so. Well, I wanted to make an announcement to the chat room so they didn't get all bent because that first caller didn't make an announcement about who they were. Yes, I, I was Lady Holder. Hello. No, I don't, I don't know. I, I wasn't. I've been doing other stuff while, while listening. Um, one of the things that kind of uh, struck me more as a well on after the, the, the fact with Star Trek, you know, as you, you look back at it as an adult, um, Gene Roddenberry built as close to a utopia as he could think of in the 60s. Okay. There was a he did a very good bridge. job. Yes, he did. There was a Russian on the bridge. There was a Japanese-American at the helm. There was a black woman running the communications, okay? The lifeblood of any starship is not the power array. It's the communication. And she was in charge of it. Yeah. And the fact, and she was an officer. She wasn't enlisted, okay? She was Lieutenant Uhura, okay? And that's the word, the, the name. Look at you saying it, but, uh, um, Uhura. Uh, Uhura? Okay. Yeah. Uhura. Yeah. My husband makes fun of the way yep. I say it. Uh, well, yeah, your, husband, your husband's a jackass some days, but whatever. Um, well, you so, know, a big cock makes up for a lot. It does, it helps, but, you know. No, I'm, 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 not, I'm not kidding, I'm not kidding. Whenever my husband's being a jackass, and I think to myself, oh, you jackass, I think, oh, but your cock's so pretty. <laughs> it makes yeah. up for a lot. Yeah. It it does help. It definitely does help, you know. And and knowing how to use it is also also a good time. But one of the things he didn't do, he noticed there was no smoking. Did you see that? No, no, no. There was no smoking. Anybody? Yeah, there was no smoking in a in a time period where they were still saying cigarettes are good for you. The fuck, <laughs> you know. Runberry didn't have any. Okay. And it was, it was an interesting But you make an interesting point about the Japanese-American because we weren't far off um, the internment camps at that point. No. And the Japanese-Americans in question had gone through the camps. Yeah. Yeah, as a child, well, yeah, he'd been in the camps. Yeah, so that's really, you know, that's an interesting point that you make there that I'd um, not really thought about. Because um, you think about Ahura. uh uh-huh. And um, on the bridge, and as a black woman, um, and that's you yep. know that's amazing. Of course, in the first pilot, um, he had a female first officer, number one. Um, but yep. the, number one, yep. Yeah, but they didn't like that, you know, so they had to redo yep. it. Um, the powers that be did not. And she got degraded to, be... to react. It was yeah, not realistic. They... The idea of a woman yeah. being second in command of a starship. Well, at the time, they were still, I mean, they, they, women were still not really that well accepted in the, the armed forces. And I'm not 100% certain, but I think they still had officially the waves at that time in the Navy. They weren't regular officers. Okay. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it's about that time period that everything changed. But, yeah, it's, um, no, it was, it was early 60s. It, the, the whole... That whole Star Trek, the original series, had so many um, 
it affected our culture to a level that is still making waves, okay? Uh, a lot, I mean, think about it. When, when Next Generation came out and they had those little skinny tablet things, okay, and yeah. people were reading on them and they were doing things on them, we've just barely gotten to that point, okay? Um, the little flip Yeah, laptops still weigh 10 pounds. <laughs> if you were lucky. Uh, you know, the little flip communicators <laughs> yeah. that they had in the original series. I mean, the day I got Which one I of those flip phones, the I sat there. As soon yeah. as I could, yeah. Yeah. I got a flip phone as Oh, yeah. That was, that was the best thing ever. They're coming up, and I mean, th- this is what they're aiming for. They're coming up with tricorders, Okay. And it, it, it's going to be far ahead of what the original series had, but they're still trying for it, okay? So, yeah, it's just there's a lot of things that the original series did. Um, DeForest Kelly, we have a whole generation of doctors because of him and a whole generation of um, engineers because of um, – uh, God, James to whom? Uh, Scotty. Scotty. Yeah. And you know, you can't, I said you earlier that Next Generation wasn't brave. That isn't necessarily they true. Were. Mm-hmm. It occurred to me when you were talking about the Japanese American that they actually had a transsexual in an episode. Mhm. And they also had uh, our first meeting of the Dax race. Jadzia's race right. was somebody, somebody who he died and they, they transplanted the, the trill into somebody and when they, they actually got a host, a correct species host to host the trill, it was a woman. And Beverly Crusher had been building a romance with the original host, which was male. And the new host kissed her. That was the first same-sex kiss on TV, okay? And it happened in the 80s, okay? The first one, really? And Yes, it was the first one. Wow. Yeah, okay? And it was two women kissing, and it was, it was a very tender kiss, and, you know, it really, there was no passion in it, but... You know, it's still, it was that first That's kiss. really interesting because in that episode, they give you the impression that they later, they back off on um, when we see Jetzia Dax in, um, in Deep Space Nine, is they give you the impression that the trill kind of takes over because that trill is actually in Riker for a while mm-hmm. and Riker and Beverly get it on. But they mm-hmm. excused it away because it like it was the trill. But what we learned yes. about the trill in Deep Space Nine later was that's not that that's not how that works. The well, rocker, you know, it may just banged Beverly. <laughs> yes, he did, and blamed it on the trill. But what what it may also be <laughs> is um, it also is dependent on the trill, okay? Because Dax, you know, the old man as Cisco called him. Um, he was old. He was along for the ride. He was having a good time. I'm going to enjoy my, my, my stay here. The one that was in Riker might have been young 
you know, dumb and, and to, you know, finish the whole phrase, you can figure it out for yourself. But, you know, whatever. And yes, O.T., apparently I I still maintain that Riker banged Beverly and used the trill as an excuse. Oh, okay, that'll go for it. Because he was the man (laughs) whore of that that particular series. Oh, yes, he was. And he was a very pretty man whore. And he's the one that got the, the... the asexual, transsexual chick person. Mm-hmm. It was the, the character yeah. was, was played by a woman, but she was he he she was supposed to be um, gender mm-hmm. neutral. Um, even though yeah, and it's really interesting that episode because she tried to come out and was immediately shut down by her government and basically brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And the implications of that are just ugly. There's a uh, one of the things, other things with Star Trek that they always did was they, at least the original series, and somewhat with Next Gen, is they looked at the social, political, and cultural taboos of the day, and went charge. Okay, there were a lot of things that they did. Uh, the original series had. One episode where um, one half of the species was black on one side, on the right, uh, white on the left. The other one was you know, the opposite. And they were having an all-out genocidal war that killed everybody but two people. Okay? And they, those two eventually killed themselves. Okay? But they were having this war because they were different. All right, and to, to roll that into the future that, you know, it touches base and back into that, um, that particular episode got ripped off almost entirely, other than the taking over the mind thing, in Stargate, Atlantis. Oh, yes, that the episode, episode where Daniel, yeah. where they had all those yeah. white guys in, um, <laughs> in stasis, and they were like, this looks a little weird, and the guy wanted to send Tilt back through the gate. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not just we that one, but it's also here. Yes, jackass. Um, there was also the Atlantis episode where it was those two people who took over um, Elizabeth and John. Okay, and they were killing each other because they were different. Okay, not because they were the same species, which they were. All right, they were just, you know, and it was it was the time that particular time. You know, you have the whole, we've got to be equal. And Enterprise, which is the one that you were having problems with, they never stuck their neck out other than, I think there was a problem on Vulcan that they had, that they did some, they did comment on, but that was specific to Vulcan. It really didn't But the one well. thing about Enterprise is I felt like they were disrespectful to the canon of, of Vulcan. And what it meant to be Vulcan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, I, don't, I didn't appreciate it. We have another caller, but I'm going to leave you on the line and see okay. if that works. I haven't tried that yet. Okay. Go for it. You're on the line with Kira and Lady Holder. Hello. Hello. Area code 661. Hello? Should I hang up? Let me, let me put you on hold. 
Okay. Hello? I don't know. Um, I don't know what that was. Maybe they got disconnected or something. No, it's not area code 666, guys. Good Lord. (laughs) It was... (laughs) If that was the case, then he definitely would have been interested in talking to me because I'm fucking awesome and he doesn't want to wait for me to get down there. That's what I totally believe. Not that Mm -hmm. I actually believe in the devil or hell, but if I did, I'd be fucking in charge when I got down there. Yes, you, you do realize that if there is a hell, it does not want us there. It will send us up to heaven because then we'll be bored and, you know, uh, sedated. Because if we go to hell, we'll take over and run it better. So, you know. It will yeah. be fine, and then it wouldn't be hell anymore. So, But then you know what the mm-hmm. problem with the theoretical hell is? <clears throat> All the assholes who really genuinely deserve to be there would totally ruin it <laughs> Don't for get us. There. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, um, uh, I, I, honestly, I, I'm one of those people who's not a nice person when it comes to certain things, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, but that's another one that they did, that the, the worst crime I can remember seeing on the original series was the, the Jack the Ripper storyline. Do you remember that one? I don't one? agree. I remember that one, but I don't agree that that's the worst. I think the worst is actually, two pop into my head. Um, the society okay. where they stoned that woman to death. I don't remember that one. Okay. Kirk loses his memory, falls in love with the Indian woman, and they stone her to death. Oh, And their baby. One, yes. Okay. Um, and yeah. the one where... I'm not sure. I think it's the original series. They land on this beautiful paradise where everybody commits suicide. Because of this, of this machine or something. And it's God worship. Uh, that might... So I guess both of mine oh, are might... related to religion. Yeah, it, that, that, is, that is something there. There's also... <laughs> There's also the one where, um, it, it, God, talk about the Cold War and arms race. There was a war, and they they got down into a, a bombed city, and all that were left were children. And they'd been there for 100 years or more, and as soon as they hit puberty, they died. And well, Okay, pause. Was, How does that work? It was, and it, it run out of kids by now. I know it was an exposure to the to the um, to the bombs and everything. It basically extended their lives, slowed down their aging, basically. And um, apparently, the one you were talking about was the next generation. Okay. Um, yeah, I think so. That one where they got on the yeah. paradise and they all kill themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they they um, the kids. For whatever reason, they slowly aged up, and as soon as, as the first blush of puberty hit, they died. And talk about a, um, 
a pointed commentary on you know the Cold War. You know, uh, there's just oh well. Um, moving on to other ones, what the next generation? I saw massive parts of it. Will Whedon was cute. I actually liked Riker more. And, you know, Patrick Stewart was just for the win. You know, there's, there's a reason I like Earl Grey nowadays, and it's actually got nothing to do with my exposure to it as a kid. It's got everything to do with Star Trek. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where I found it first. All right. I, I, hey, Captain's drinking Earl Grey. I'll go find some. Mom, let's go get some. And Mom was obliging, and I liked it. And they're, Yeah, hey, it worked. You know, there's a whole industry that's kept going just because of, you know, Star Trek fans. Um, DS9, it kind of, you know what it, you know, it kind of felt like, do you remember, um, China Beach? Yes, I do. It kind of felt like that because they were in a war zone and they were between two powers and they were just, you know, trying to keep themselves balanced. Yeah. As much and as I'm unfond of religion, I really enjoyed the religious aspects of Deep Space Nine. Um, <clears throat> the alien... Somebody put some thought... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it somebody was... Somebody put some thought into that one. It was one. very well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't always the case, you know. No. Um, Voyager was a long trip to nowhere, and the husband just recently rewatched it, so I unfortunately listened to most of the episodes. And having the unholy urge to beat some of the people in there for being whiny asses, um, and Janeway for being unrealistic, and... Yeah, it just it didn't get any better throughout the whole thing. My husband watched yeah. it up until that part. Um, there was apparently an episode where they found Amelia Earhart, and oh, he yes. lost the ability yes, to I... um, suspend disbelief. Tolerate. <laughs> oh, my like, mm-hmm. suspense of disbelief. I'm done. <laughs> my suspense of disbelief went and just jumped right off the rails. You know, completely <laughs> and utterly right off the rails. I just fuck that shit. Um, hmm. You know, there's they had so many um, opportunities to to get some really bizarre characters, and they did get some. I mean, you got that group of of you know aliens who go around and basically harvest their other species for their organs, so that way they can live. That was just you know. Disgusting. Um, really, really disgusting. But that was one of those where they, they had a really good concept, and yet they never really gave it their all. They never gave it the chance to bloom. You know, because you have a, a Federation starship that it might end up being a generation ship, and they did nothing. They didn't. They didn't do anything to prepare for it. So no, no. But again, that boils down to um, 
uh, bad writing or um, mm-hmm. uh, outside interference because it's like mm-hmm. my husband's biggest problem with that is actually that the ship got so damaged and never had to have maintenance. Oh yes, you didn't get to see them, you know. Yeah, that is a point. I mean, everything just kind of seemed to to keep trucking right along in a fairly decent manner. It's not like you had to see you know, them. Yes, um, you didn't get to see them cannibalize. For you know, supplies so you or... Yeah, you didn't get to see them. Um, you know, going and finding a a somewhat compatible ship that they could, you know used for parts. Nope, it's talking along perfect as possible. Drove my husband crazy. Oh, and, you know, the hydroponics bay that just had enough vegetation to look interesting, but, you know, they didn't have trays and trays and trays and trays and trays of vegetables lining the hallways and every room and all the major areas. You can't feed 120 people on one bay's worth of hydroponics. It just doesn't work. And yeah, but yeah. they had the um, uh, replicators. Replicators at that point. No, but they don't explain on Voyager. I don't believe so. They have problems with the replicators. Uh, that was they dumb. Problems with the replicators. Yep. Yep. I didn't oh, actually watch it, so you better judge than I am. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, because that, that, that shit just grows on trees. Yes. Yes. Photon torpedoes. There, There's a never-ending supply. Not. Um, yeah. Well, she's the captain. Uh, 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 Alina, sorry if I mangled that. <laughs> you have to make shit up. Yes, you are right. They did that a lot. Anyways, yeah, so I don't actually – I'm yeah. actually going to sit down and watch. Well, this is my project um, after April Nano. I'm going to sit down and watch an episode of Voyager just to see how really? I can actually do it every night and bitch about it on my live journal. Okay, do we'll see how far I actually favor? get into it before I – but if you manage to make it all the way to the end and hit the last episode, take Prozac before you watch it. You're going <laughs> to need it. I had to get a prescription for that. I don't actually have a prescription for Prozac. Um, there was a question. Valium. Marcus has a question. Okay, it says, in canon, mm-hmm. Spock strikes me as a Vulcan who is less struggling with containing his emotions so much as he is acknowledging them and utilizing the emotion-driven impulses in logical ways. He doesn't, demonstra- he doesn't demonstrate them, of course, but he uses them. So assuming you agree, how much do you see yourself humanizing Spock in Tangled Destinies in his character evolution? Okay. Um, the thing about me in particular when it comes to the Vulcans is I don't subscribe to that whole... Fanon concept of um, Vulcans not having emotions. Um, I think in Tangled Destinies that I've touched on this repeatedly about the emotions that they do have being very strong and them having to control that um, and really um, 
investing themselves mentally in controlling um, urges and emotional responses to other people in situations. And, and you see it breaking occasionally. Um, Sarek has a couple of moments. Um, but uh, there are... Bach has several moments in Tangled Destinies because he's half-human and he's mm-hmm. dealing with a human bondmate and his human mother and he's on Earth and he has all of these um, these issues. And he's also, for the first time in his life, um, experiencing some freedom on, on that result because on Vulcan he was... I don't want to. I don't want to use the word punished, but that's but that, that's what comes to mind. Uh, he was he was hounded, degraded, was hounded. and looked down upon, and bullied for mm-hmm. any emotion, and it was so hypocritical because they had the same emotions, you know, and they were oh, yeah. acting so superior, and oh, it's horrible. Um, so when we had him on Earth in Tangled Destinies, he's he's not um, he's not suppressed there's, by there's, his environment no, so much. There is a book, and I don't remember it for the life of me. It was um, Dreadnought. That's what it was. Um, it was one of the the, fans, uh, the, the, the story that they came out with later um, where the whole comment about how Vulcans learn is they have a series of um, milestones that they have to reach, among which are emotional control, not so much um, suppression or, um, you know, the rooting out of, which is, which is the colon R, but the right. be, being able to handle their emotions in such a way that, you know, they are in control of it and their emotions are not in control of them, which, you know, in a species that can basically bench press a VW bug, I'd really rather have them be in control of their emotions. Um, right. And it bothers me in fan fiction when you encounter a fan fiction writer who writes Vulcans as being emotionalists and as Spock being an anomaly when it's just not true. No. And even in canon, it's never said that way. It's said that they learn to control themselves um, mm-hmm. through the teachings of Sirach, Sirach, whatever how you want to say it. Sirach. Um and there was There's, never a moment when, um, mm-hmm. and where they said they were the motion feeling robots. No, in the emotional. Oh, I mean, crap! In the um, the original uh, movie, okay, uh, when right before, um, well, actually, Spock feels V'ger, you know, hauling ass across the universe. Um, he is trying to hit that final whatever where he's rooted out all emotions. He gets mind melded by Tapao and she basically says, you didn't do it, kid. You know, you're still emotional. Suck it up and deal with the rest of your life. And when he shows up on the Enterprise, he's still wrapped in the teachings of the Kulinar and then he basically gets introduced to the fact that, you know, that's, this is bullshit. And he breaks down and laughs in the middle of sickbay. Right. And everybody's looking at him. And for the most part, everybody's going, the fuck is wrong with you? And Jim is like, um, okay, and goes with it. 
you know. And <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> yes. But he always did, and right? That's the thing. Yes, that's that he always did. And that's the thing that what never really made it to the film, but apparently was in in the book, and I remember reading it, is during that period, right before Spock felt V'ger, he was doing his level best to gear up the chutzpah to clip the connection he had with his Tehala, which is Kirk, okay? His brother, the other self, the, the person who, in fandom, we, we've got it as a romantic thing, but in canon, it was what we now call a bromance, okay? Um, and there's versions of it all over the place, but, you know, we got a name for it because of Star Trek. Yeah. Because of Gene Roddenberry. So, it's in the novelization of, of the motion uh-huh. picture. Um, it is indeed. And, uh, yeah. So, um, brother, lover, friend. Um, it is it's interesting. Love, I, yes. I think it's a little bit of fan service um, that he did that. I think Gene Roddenberry, that res- yeah. yeah, that respected the fans and he respected mm-hmm. um, the fandom that grew up around it, including the relationship between Kirk and Spock that mm-hmm. you know that fans wanted but didn't get and wouldn't get. So. Yeah, yep. uh, that's one thing you can say about Gene Roddenberry is he had a great deal of respect for the fandom that came well, from his work. A lot of the original books that we got lucky enough to read that became canon were fandom originally, and so yeah, it's it's you know gotta love it. Um, I've got three minutes left on my clock over here, so. I got two twenty-one. <laughs> I got two minutes and twenty seconds. Um, okay, but you know, Star yeah, Trek Vulcan is a constructed language, so is Klingon, guys. You know, and people do speak them, love them. You know, it's okay. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I got I got distracted. <laughs> what I was going to say is that uh, for all the reasons that we can love Star Trek, I think the the main the big reason that uh, we should all, you know, take a moment and say thank you to Gene Roddenberry and to Star Trek and to mm-hmm. the fandom that came up around it is that it really is the godfather of Slash, mm-hmm. um, grandfather of Slash, yep. ever how you want to say it. Um, yep. I don't know if they're the first Slash pairings. I think that there used to be, like, this whole fan club around Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes and um, Watson. Sherlock Holmes, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, there, um, the the fandom about them was is old. Okay, very old. But but Star Trek yes. um, is the modern fandom that gave us all what we have today, and it's the reason why the Star mm-hmm. Trek fandom exists. It's the reason Star Wars exists. I mean, it's the reason that mm-hmm. Stargate fandom is here. Oh yeah, um, most decidedly. Everything about Star Trek, mm-hmm. the birth of it. Um, speaks to what we have today, and for that very reason alone, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody should totally love Star Trek. And we've got 30 yep. seconds, and so I'm going to give us some music. Thank you for joining me again. I appreciate it. Um, Always. There will be no slut-shaming in my chat room. 
Good night, all. Touch him in the, in the minion ant hood, please. <laughs> Go have fun. I'll talk to you later. Shut up and sit down. on earth can't all like the same drink that's why circle k has polar pop and froster pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you polar pop and froster just 79 cents each at circle k limited time only at participating locations 500 vehicles to sell 500 ways to save one month only at bill penny mitsubishi during now through may 31st we will accept your credit application a 200 dollars down payment and a 350 a week paycheck can get you a new mitsubishi don't forget every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty you can win five thousand with our 5k test drive giveaway visit billpennymitsubishi.com to qualify buyers on a free credit warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only one entry per household per month must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance see dealer for details